Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The road to Roland Garros is rolling through Italy as we are two weeks away from reaching the Terre Battue of Paris. Before heading to France, Nadal and Djokovic met for the championship in Rome, renewing arguably the greatest rivalry in men's tennis. Plus, another first for this talented teenager, how she put the world on notice before defending her maiden major title. So what's trending and who's posting? We are checking the hashtags and handles from all the tennis platforms. Let me take off this tie. It's the makeup of the clip. It's beautiful. All roads lead to Rome and TC Live right now. There was once a dream that was Rome, and that dream has become reality yet again for Rafa Nadal. Welcome to TC Live as we wrap up yet another week of incredible tennis on the road to Roland Garros. La Decima at a fourth event for that man. A full breakdown of the 57th meeting between Rafa and Novak. What this means for history. Plus, Iga Sviantek with an all-carb diet against Karolina Pliskova today will explain. And the highly anticipated, often imitated, but never duplicated edition of best of the best. We saved the best for last. Welcome into our studios here in Santa Monica, Steve Weissman, the Hall of Famer, Jim Courier, the 57th meeting, and we've got the other Hall of Famer, Andy Roddick, took the suit off for Championship Sunday, back in the hat and the T-shirt. <laughs> How about Rafa today, Andy? I mean, Rafa found his, his groove this week. You know, I thought he was actually a little spotty in Monte Carlo. He grinded through and got through in Barcelona. Madrid kind of got uh, railroaded a little bit against Verov. Saving those match, point, match points against Shapovalov gave him a chance to find his best tennis, getting through Zverev easily, getting through Opelka, and then grinding down uh, Novak today. But let's also give credit to Novak coming off of that physical day yesterday, even making a play for that second set. Uh, props to him. It is an absolute pleasure to watch these two go at it. No doubt about it. And, and Andy, you're so right. If, uh, if somehow Shapovalov wins one of those two match points in the third round, takes on a whole new hue, doesn't it, going into Roland Garros, then there would be not just Rafa with an eyebrow raised, a lot of people uh, with a raised eyebrow, but winning this one the way that he did, taking out Novak, that's a statement for Rafa, puts him in great position now, especially with the two weeks off Good for both of these guys, unless Novak decides to, to play in uh, Belgrade like he's slated to. I doubt that. I think they both get rest. They both get ready for what really matters, and that's Roland Garros. To those guys, Rome matters to, to most everyone else, and certainly they care about it. But the real history they're playing for happens in a few weeks. Like Novak said, uh, me, Roger, and Rafa are the new next gen. Uh, the big three, <laughs> they are here to stay. Let's get straight to it. Two of the game's greatest gladiators Going at it for the ninth time in a row, most at one event in this epic rivalry. And one of them will raise a trophy for the 15th time since 2005. Djokovic, the slight edge in the tail of the tape. But Rafa, 18-7 to 7 advantage on clay. He has won the last two meetings in Rome. Djokovic, 
a slim lead when it comes to Masters 1000 finals. Just like those numbers, this match had small margins and was a three-set thriller, Jim. Yeah, they traded early breaks. Djokovic went up to love. Uh, Rafa able to break right back, and Rafa breaks the set open here late. Five all gets to a baby set point. Here is that break point. Five apiece. The forehand fails Djokovic. Rafa would be able to close that one out. And Novak is furious at his camp. We still don't know what that was all about. But here's the set point. And Rafa with the forehand, able to put it in his pocket. And you're thinking, well, man, I mean, Novak's got to be just gassed after playing nearly five hours on Saturday over two matches. Well, if he was, he did a good job hiding it. His serve speeds dropped a little bit in the second set. He made more first serves, but he upped the speed on his ground strokes and was able to, to get an early break, ride it to an insurance break, and here on set point, get into a third set. This was pretty awesome stuff. And the third set, this is the real moment of the match. Break point at two all for Djokovic. He would have two of them in that game. One of them, Nadal's forehand, clipped the tape on the way over. Some good fortune for Rafa. He made good use of that. Breaking at love with that amazing pass. And then from there, Nadal able to close it out. Here is match point for number 10 in Rome. Just some awesome tennis and really an awesome effort from Novak to even make it a contest. 57, an incredible matchup between these two and Rafa. Now 36 Masters 1000 titles. That equals Novak Djokovic, and that is number 10 in Rome. He has won one Masters title for the 15th time in 17 years. Let's look at the numbers for Nadal. The first serve percentage was high. The winners, 37 compared to just 23 unforced errors. Novak Djokovic, a few more of those unforced errors. When you take a look at these stats, at this match in general, what was the difference, Andy, for you between Nadal and Djokovic? Well, I actually thought Rafa served so much better than he has throughout the clay court swing. You know, remember in Barcelona, he actually talked about having, you don't want to say the word yips, but he was kind of maybe yips adjacent at that point. And to come in and serve 75% in his his uh, MPH on his first serve was higher than it's been uh, in, in the last five weeks. So uh, credit to Rafa. He knew that he had to step up his serving against the best returner uh, possibly ever and definitely as it currently stands on the planet. And he was able to step up and, uh, and serve the match of uh, his clay court season so far. 88 career titles, which is impressive. 46 of those titles have come at four events. I mean, Andy Murray has 46 titles in his entire career. For Rafa Nadal, whether it's Roland Garros, whether it's Barcelona, whether it's Monte Carlo or Rome, you add those up, it's 46. Andy, uh, what is your special angle on this match? Yeah, so I, I watched this match, and I'm so intrigued by the constant chess match. And you think, listen, 57th match they've ever played. And we like to show the highlights and the crazy shots, and everyone's like, well, you should just hit it to his back, and it should do this. Let's take a look at just a very kind of average, not extraordinary point. And I'm going to take you into the decision-making real time that Rafa forces Novak to have. So let's – right here – so you have to cover the backhand side because Rafa can obviously flip that across the court high up on the righty's backhand. Or do you shade down the line where Rafa is risky a shot, but it's also his more dangerous shot when he rips it up the line. So let's cue it here real quick. Let's let's roll the tape and see which one. They're both wrong. He slides that up the line with a drop shot. Now Novak has one more thing to think about for the entire match. So right here, what's he going to do? Oh, he's going to switch grips and play it there. And I'm standing still. Even against the best mover in the world, still has to account uh, for these kind of minor decisions throughout the match. It's just a crazy chess match. Even 
57 matches later, he still doesn't know that Rafa's going to go to that shot up the line. He forces you, both of these guys, to make a decision every single time. It is so hard, this game of tennis, especially at the highest level. And they just make it look easy, don't they? And they keep each other on their toes. Andy, you're spot on. Rafa has the forehand drop shot. Novak has the backhand drop shot. Those are always options. And it matters how much further they're getting pushed back into the court that opens it up. But you have to respect all of it. That's what makes it hard. Fortunately for them, they both have such amazing foot speed. They can cover a lot of those, but you can't be everywhere all the time. And it's fun to watch. It is fun to watch, and it's fun to see, as Andy pointed out, that there's still little nuances between these two after meeting for 57 times. You've got a Hawkeye to point out something special on Rafa. It's just the bread and butter play for Rafa. I mean, the serve and his first ball forehand is so key for him to get control of these rallies, and no one returns his serve better than, than Novak. Everyone tries to get the ball into the backhand corner and prevent Rafa from starting, even with Novak's amazing Returns, he can't get the ball in there very often. 86% of the time when Rafa made a first serve today, he was hitting a forehand and he was in charge. And if you're winning over 60%, you're you're doing pretty well. 65%, a very strong day at the office for Rafa. And think about this too. Nadal's first serve percentage today was so high, 75%. For the season, it's 64%. And he took on more risk with that first serve today. He was going bigger than he has for much of the clay court season. So talk about elevating your game when you need to, Nadal certainly did that, and uh, that's a big part of why he's the champ. It's a good sign heading into Roland Garros as well, where he looks for his 14th title. He's won his last five matches against Novak Djokovic on clay. We call him the king of clay for a reason. And you take a look at these numbers, the percentage of victories. And Andy, I mean, he's got 62 career titles on clay, zero losing streaks. He has never lost back-to-back matches on this surface. It's it's at the point, Steve, where you hear these numbers. They didn't make sense five years ago, right? And so the, these guys just keep adding these numbers. And the consistency which, with which they show up. And Jim's generation was amazing. Obviously, I followed the greatest generation uh, in American history. And they still lost sometimes in the third and fourth round. They, you know, they, they'd win the if someone went back to back. It was an amazing feat to do it year after year. And we're looking at a decade and a half on. I, I, you run out of superlatives to talk about these guys with. I just want to, to mention, I played in that era with the great Pete Sampras. And, and when Pete got to 14 Grand Slam titles, we just thought, oh, my God, like Mac had seven, Connors had eight. How it's in over. the world? And then now we're going to Roland Garros, and he can match Pete's career output with another Roland Garros title. It just it doesn't make sense at all, but yet it's Rafa, and, and we're watching it in real time. It's incredible. The only other guy on the ATP with double digits at an event is Roger Federer. He's only done it once. I mean, four events mm-hmm. to have La Decima Plus for Rafa Nadal, and we will have much more on Nadal's conquering Rome when we continue here on TC Live. Had to save a couple of match points in the third round. You know what? So did Iga Sviantek. And when we come back, how Rome turned into a teenage wasteland for the Polish star. You're watching TC Live. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Two weeks 
from today. Tennis Channel's 15th year of Roland Garros coverage. More than 330 hours. We are live all 15 days, plus a preview show the Saturday before. Live men's and women's semifinals. And we've got the night session, May 30th to June 13th. Second major of the year from Paris. Well, the ladies' final in Rome featured the defending champion from Roland Garros, Iga Sviantek. She was looking for her first WTA 1000 title. Taking on former champion Karolina Pliskova, and the Czech has had quite a history at this event. Three years ago, in the second round, following a questionable call and loss to Maria Sakkari, she took her frustration out on the chair umpire stand, put a hole in that thing. Look at that. Now, since that moment, she is 13-1 in Rome and into her third straight final, going for her second title but after today, Andy, she may want to break something else. Yeah, hide all the chairs because this one got ugly quick. One thing I'm interested in seeing early with Sviatek is this forehand where she gets it up and away. She does that better than anyone, and Pliskova doesn't like it. She hits a foul ball in the first time she's exposed to it. Sviatek obviously wants to expose the movement. These were both set, uh, these were both precedents that were set in the very first game of the match. It looked like Pliskova was maybe on ice skates or something. Sviatek very, very intentional about making her move around. If she starts returning like this also, I mean, she was hitting chip returns, full swing on returns. Uh, I, I think we've maybe, we've only gotten a, you know, we, we've gotten to know over the last year or so, but the variety in her game, the open stance pass, the, the little chips, the getting the ball up, the drop shots, uh, and look at the fighting the second serve off. I mean, she was just flawless today. And you see Pliskova takes, takes the anger out of the rack. I mean, she's feeling absolutely helpless at this point we've all been there and it's a tough go to where you you're automatically thinking hey i'm not worried about winning the tournament anymore i need to get on the scoreboard you know and you see her just dominating once she has time in that forehand she can pull it either way uh down the line cross court inside out inside in and she can hold it to the last second which makes you check step you're not going to get a great beat on it and uh flawless start to finish oh and oh in the finals of a masters 1000 on the heels of last fall cruising through a final at the French Open. She is not scared of that big moment. Very, very impressive Lost today. just 13 points. Gets her third career title. Nothing in there but goodness. And maybe Prakash, the genie. You were just spectacular. Thank you. In your mind, I'm assuming that's as perfect as you can play. Uh, yes, that's true. Uh, for sure, you know, it's it's not easy to lead, um, you know, 6-0 in the first set. You always have doubts before going on se- uh, second set because you know that, you know, the opponent can play uh, better. Um, so I started, you know, thinking that I'm going to begin that match from the beginning, even though it was, you know, 6-0. And that was actually a good idea because I... Uh, my focus was really on point today, right. and uh, I, I had the proper mindset, so I'm really proud of myself that I could keep that for the whole match. 46 minutes, Jim. Uh, that was faster than the first set between Nadal yeah. and Djokovic. Uh, last double bagel WTA final came in 2016. 13 points, the fewest lost in a final at this level on the WTA. I mean, put this into perspective, how good was Iga Sviantek today? Yeah, well, nearly perfect, wasn't she, against an opponent who has a a tendency to play well in Rome. It was pretty amazing. One of the things that was a big takeaway from the end of last year was Sviantek wins Roland Garros, and then there are just no opportunities to play for the women anymore. Remember, the Asian schedule wiped off because of COVID, so she wasn't able to really test that momentum that she had. She's regenerated that momentum now with this run-through in this tournament, leading right into the defense 
of the Roland Garros title. Well, she'll, she'll co-defend it with Ash Barty, who won it in 2019 and didn't come back to play last year due to COVID. So it's going to be fascinating to see if she can keep riding this train that she's on right now. I mean, there's one thing that's very clear is when she gets in a good frame of mind and she's feeling comfortable, she's fearless and nearly flawless. I mean, the way that she ran through this match and, and last year's Roland Garros, very similar. She's very unaffected by the big moments. She just plays ball, and boy, does she play it well. <laughs> she certainly does. When she is on, there is no stopping, fiance. Like Andy, you brought it up. Jim, you did as well. Lost just 28 games in Roland Garros last year. Tied for the fewest amount of games lost on the way to that title earlier this year. Lost just 22 games in Adelaide. Fewest on the way to a title this year. Uh, Andy, is she your favorite heading into Roland Garros? Gosh, Ash Barty has looked really good, right? And, and obviously, she's been performing week in and week out. Won that head-to-head matchup in Madrid. The altitude's a little bit more favorable for Barty in that matchup in Madrid than it will be in a Roland Garros. But it, it's, it's hard to argue against Fiatek right now and what she's done. And obviously proving herself on the big stage last year on clay. Uh, something else needs to be said about the psyche of surviving and advancing, right? Sviatek and Rafa both down match points earlier in this event. They get through those and end up finding their best form. And like Jim mentioned earlier in the show, it's a different narrative for both of these players if they don't make those, uh, if they don't make those gains uh, later on the tournament. But the variety and what she's able to do, chipping returns because she kind of has a little bit of an extreme grip on the forehand, uh, you know, moving the ball in and out, you know, mixing the, the flat trajectory of the back end with the high looping uh, spin of the forehand, able to keep Pliskova completely guessing all day long. Very impressive, especially to have that control over your nuances like she does at 19 years old. Something about the Pliskova sisters. This is her first double bagel, Iga, at the pro level. She actually beat the twin, Christina, love and one on the way to her first WTA final in Lugano. And Iga Sviantek at 19 will crack the top 10 for the first time in her career, just two weeks shy of her 20th birthday. That's good. We got the best of the best next. Oh, we always love our best of the best. Uh, we saw Coco Goff in the best of the best, had a great week in Rome. Uh, Andy, what are your expectations for Coco heading into Roland Garros? She is in the draw in Parma in both singles and doubles. Oh, two things that uh, were very concerning three months ago and much improved in Rome was the elbow on the second serve. It used to sit low and cramped. It kind of created a, 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 a tough trajectory. with It was almost too flat. She got that up and away a little bit, and her serve looked solid, but also committed to a certain ball flight on her forehand. I think she heard, you know, you got to go big on your forehand, got to go big on her forehand. And in Miami, she was kind of going flat big, flat big. There's a different way to do it. You can go your natural ball flight, which is kind of the circle C kind of over the top thing, but hit it heavy, right? She seemed like she committed to that and was driving that backhand deep to the cross-court corner, pinning her opponents, creating some space for that trajectory on the forehand. I love to see she's thinking. I love to see she's going right after her weaknesses. Uh, big step this week for Coco. Do you like the fact, Jim, that she is playing this week? I do, because she didn't get to play as much last year. Well, no one really did, but Coco's still very much in development. She needs those reps of matches 
to be able to keep refining her game and keep making the improvements that Andy's talking about and reinforcing them because practice doesn't really necessarily translate always into the match court. So more matches is more better for Coco as far as I'm concerned. More matches, more better. Something like that. For Coco, she takes on Kaya Kanepi, first run in Parma. Also back with Katie McNally playing doubles in Parma. So looking forward to that this week on Tennis Channel. At a career high, 29. Still has a shot at making the U.S. Olympic team Mm. with a good performance at Roland Garros. Uh, Andy, got to talk about Riley Opelka as well. Had a spectacular week in Rome. First ever Masters 1000 semifinal. What kind of building block can that be for the big American? Yeah, I've been on record saying this guy has top 10 potential. You know, you can't teach that serve. His racket skills for a big man from the baseline are very good. He's, he's, he's got lighter footwork than a lot of the kind of giants that we've we've seen in the game, but all those good things led to a two and six record to start the year here. So he needed a result and for it to come on clay and for him really going after people and grinding out tough holds and playing different ways and figuring out the shot selection with when to be patient and when to really go for it. A big week for Riley Alpelka. I hope that it feeds his hunger and doesn't fill that hunger. Uh, I hope he just uses it as a a building block as opposed to kind of a footnote, a high footnote in in an otherwise ordinary year. Now, look, I think he's one of these guys is like a diesel engine. Once he gets going with some confidence, I think he's tough to stop. And and one thing that was really notable, he, he mentioned it to Prakash on the DraftKings desk. He was really focused on trying to keep his body quiet when he was hitting ground strokes. He said there was a lot too much motion. He was jumping up a little high on his forehand and too many moving parts. And when you're that big and the levers are that long, a simple is way better. So if he can keep things a, a little more concise on his ground strokes, we know his serve is going to be good. But how do you make more groundies? And if he's able to take some of the, those question marks out, he is just such a handful to deal with. Uh, should be going this way in the rankings the rest of the season. Yeah, could be the top-ranked American by the end of the clay court season. We shall see. All right, time to see what's trending on social media today. We wish a happy G-Day to G himself. Grigor Dimitrov, happy 30th birthday to Grigor, former World number threes at 17 in the world right now, Jim, and uh, looking to get things going, headed to Roland Garros. Yeah, look, he, he's a guy, when he gets it all together, I mean, it's one of the more beautiful games to watch. He's got all the shots. It's always been a question about putting them together at the right time and simplifying all those amazing options. He's talked about how much he's looking forward to being 30 years old. You know, his friends are like, hey, aren't you, you know, 30s old? He's like, I can't wait to be 30. So we'll see if that translates to the type of success we've seen so many players have reaching their apex at 30 and beyond. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Jim retired younger than I did, and I retired young. So, you know, it's uh, it's amazing to see the progression now where all of a sudden 30 is like a new starting point for, for a lot of these players. And credit, you know, we say it ad nauseum, but credit the big three, Venus, Serena, for showing people the inspiration that it can be done uh, past a certain age. People are getting a lot smarter with what they put into their bodies, uh, leading to longer careers. So hopefully we'll see... Uh, Grigor, who's uh, one of uh, one of everybody, everybody's favorites. Uh, hopefully we see him for many years to come. 30's the new 20. Jay-Z said it. it. It is still true. Grigor Dimitrov a lot ahead of him. Andy Murray, he turned 34 on Saturday and announced that uh, he is not going to take the wild card into Geneva. And there are reports, Jim, that he's not going to be playing Roland Garros and will aim to return at Wimbledon. Yeah, those same reports suggesting that his body didn't respond that well to coming to Rome getting some practice with some of the bigger singles players and getting some doubles matches as well. So 
Uh, like Federer, he's focused on trying to peak for Wimbledon and make sure that his health is there. That's a the tournament that matters most to him, clearly. And, and if it is his swan song, he wants it to, to come in good health at Wimbledon and have a chance to play more than just a single match on center court. Yeah, I mean, at this point, listen, it's it's, it's like Jim said, I, I, there's doesn't even bear repeating. It's all about health for Andy Murray. He's going to try to peak for the surfaces that will benefit him. His ceiling is very low on clay at this point in his career. He can still grind out and be, a, be very effective on the grass, so hopefully he's healthy for that run. I certainly hope that he can return for the grass court season where he has been so successful, obviously a Wimbledon champion. So uh, our, our best wishes go out to Andy Murray. He was trying to make that comeback on the clay, could not. Make it happen next week here on Tennis Channel. The coverage continues in Parma. Serena and Venus are both there. Roger Federer making his return in his home country in Geneva. We've got action from Lyon and Belgrade as well. The road to Roland Garros rolls on. So does TC Live after this. Back on TC Live, the 57th edition of Nadal Djokovic goes to the Spaniard, his 10th title in Rome. Novak Djokovic, heck of an effort. Let's hear from the runner-up after. Overall, almost three hours of high-quality tennis. Uh, of course, I'm disappointed not to win it, but uh, at the same time, I'm very pleased with the level of tennis that I managed to find in the late, later stages of this tournament. So, uh, going into Paris brings me you know brings me good sensation I actually now started to feel uh, like I actually want to feel on clay positive spin for Novak Djokovic why not I mean he played spectacular tennis all week losing to Rafa Nadal listen it's Rafa on clay it's pretty easy for him to rationalize this loss in a vacuum you know losing to Rafa in, in the Rome final happens to a lot of people all the time, including Novak, a bunch. But when you factor in what he had to go through physically and emotionally on Saturday to get through Tsitsipas serving for the match against him and then turning it around, coming back that night to beat a really red-hot Sonego and a feisty Italian crowd, pretty amazing effort that he was even able to make it a contest out there. He has definite reasons for optimism coming into Roland Garros. Yeah, let's. The only thing we have to compare it to is the rear view, right? So losing to Dan Evans uh, in, in Monte Carlo, losing to Karatsev, who has obviously been playing uh, great tennis, but you don't want to take that sort of loss in Belgrade uh, on the way in. So is he way better as far as his game than than he was coming into this tournament a week ago? There is no doubt. Going through those wars that he went through yesterday, coming out and fighting uh, to the last bell with Rafa, he's a so far ahead of, of where he was a week ago. Novak has his, the form that he needs going into Roland Garros. Andy, I, I'm sorry I missed your dress-up day yesterday. I mean, is this ever going to happen again, or we're just hat and T-shirt forever? No, I, I think I'm done with that. You guys look too sharp. I'm just going to stay like this little schlubby situation over here. All right, send us Sweet and Cove's, hat, Sweet and's Cove hats, and or, then, you know, better yet, we'll rock bourbon. those. We'll take the bourbon we'll instead. That's Absolutely. <laughs> Serena Williams in action tomorrow here on Tennis Channel. Faces a qualifier, Lisa Pagato, ranked 512 in the world. So you can see Serena right here on Tennis Channel tomorrow as she makes her way back on the road to Roland Garros, looking for her fourth title in Paris. So look forward to that action in Parma, Italy. Plus, of course, Roger Federer is playing in Geneva this week. The action never stops on Tennis Channel. And that is all for TC Live today. Congratulations to Iga Sviantek winning her first 
1,000-level title. And for Rafa Nadal, taking his 10th title in Rome. Our encore presentation of those matches begins next on Tennis Channel. For Jim Andy and our entire team, I'm Steve Weissman. Have a great day.